Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This interview is with Dr. Sarah Smith. She is a fellow doctor of physical therapy, and she has also branched out from doing clinical work similar to myself, but her work and her studies evolved around her knowledge and expertise of the pelvic floor. And I think it's amazing. She talks about really building up core confidence in women, and she understands the neuroscience and the physiology and the way the neuromuscular system works with both the external and some of the internal things that can be challenging for us in our lives. And she's a lovely, lovely person. So I think you'll get a lot out of this interview. I know I had a great time talking with Dr. Sarah, and she's very candid about moving through some difficult things in her own life, which I think we all can appreciate when it's not just the the teaching from one of our fabulous guests, but when there's a lot of sharing of, of how these tools actually came up in their own lives and, and made some significant changes. So yeah, I think you're going to love the episode and I hope everyone's doing well out there. We are gearing up for another round of Sober and Calm, the 30-day program that is a wonderful foundation if you're interested in learning more and really experiencing and practicing more of these tools that I that I talk about and that come up in the show quite frequently around somatic experiencing and some other tools to help decrease anxiety and and really to just change your relationship with stress and anxiety, as well as provide a lot of support around sobriety and maintaining and just moving forward and creating a healthy lifestyle. And I think there are so many pieces that can go with that which is why in the four weeks, it's really about giving you tools so that you can apply them to the areas of your life that are at the forefront for you right now. So I hope you come and take part of that. I will put the the sign up um, in the show notes for you there, as well as links for Dr. Sarah. And that's going to start July 6th. Early bird pricing will be until July 3rd. So you have a week to get in the early bird price. And it's a $97 investment. So it's, you know, it's not a huge investment and it is an investment of your time though. So I really like having people come into the program that are able to say, Hey, I want to, I want to spend the four weeks and have myself be a priority. And it's not a big time commitment, but I think it is significant enough that I love working with, um, people when they come in who are like, yes, this is you know, I'm going to dedicate this time to myself. So I hope that's you. And I hope you come and take part and join us for the next round of Sober and Calm. The last time we did it, it went just beautifully. And you can read some of the testimonials from the participants. A few of the participants in that program is on the, uh, on the page there with the link. So love to see you in there if that calls to you. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Dr. Sarah Smith and get in touch with her if you have questions about activating your core confidence. Hi, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby, and I'm very excited about the guest I have with me today, uh, Dr. Sarah Smith. She is a doctor of physical therapy, a yoga practitioner, and a certified coach. And I'm going to have Sarah tell us more, Dr. Sarah tell us more about herself, but I do want to specify that she was a, a pelvic floor and a pelvic health physical therapist. And I think that's an important distinction to make as we move forward. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Alice. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's so fun. Uh, I love that you're also a, a DPT who's really moved beyond the scope of clinical practice. And I, I just love seeing that in our field and in our profession. And I'm really interested in, in what you do. So I'd love to have you just tell us a little bit about your own journey. And um, yeah, I think we were, you were starting to kind of tell me a little bit about your story yeah. and how you like to be introduced before we started recording. So I'd love to hear it for the, so the audience can listen in as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the story, you know, it, it is so truly like a journey, right. Of, of where, <laughs> how we evolve over time. Um, I knew like as a very, my grandmother owned her own physical therapy practice. So I grew up in this beautiful, awesome 
space that she created and uh, that that was when insurance was paying way better. <laughs> than it, the glory days of physical therapy. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, but I always kind of felt deep inside of me that that was going to be a jumping off point. Um, I was always very interested working one-on-one with people. So somehow the chronic pain world, I think, found me because like probably many of our physical therapy counterparts, I love a good challenge. Um, Mm. And, you know, when somebody says you can't work with something, I'm like, oh, 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 just, (laughs) just try me. (laughs) So uh, I did a lot of chronic pain studying, chronic pain work. And and that then led me into, as the field continued to change, and I was specifically interested in being an outpatient, um, I realized that in order to be one-on-one, in, like if I wasn't working for myself and I was working for somebody else in order to keep working one-on-one and have more of kind of that, that deep soulful connection, I was going to need to niche down. And so pelvic floor physical therapy kind of seemed on the forefront, like of a, of a great way to do that. And as I got into it, I was learning personally more about yoga. I was uh, just doing a lot of, of self-study and self self-development and spirituality work um, and then all along with seeing as I got into pelvic floor therapy, how connected the mind and the body is and how so much uh, past, so much of our past history, thoughts, belief patterns, um, tensions are housed in the pelvis. And uh, my mother is a counselor and a therapist. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back and do that. But I really didn't uh, feel particularly called to, to go into that sort of practice. I wanted it to be more actionable and tangible. And um, I love that. Yeah, it, it worked for me. You know, it, I guess we all have to find our own way and it worked for me. And so I, I went back and got a cert- coaching certification um, and because I, I really was interested in, in truly connecting the two. And I'm, I've always been really interested in getting to the root, getting to the root of the cause, which again is funny because the pelvis and the <laughs> first and second chakra. Yeah. But um, so that's how then what I kind of hybrid did for a while was still really working within the clinic, uh, but kind of taking a very much more holistic stress management, mind body approach. And now I work with uh, female and female identifying leaders uh, really all around the world. They usually have reached a pinnacle of, of, you know, success in their professional careers and their health and their wellness and their well-being and their mental being has, has taken a toll. Um, and so I, I guess I, I, I call it like activating their core confidence. A lot of women, uh, we have been trained, well, men too, but we've all really been trained to seek that external success. Um, and we attach our confidence to that very often. Well, what I discovered, and you know, it's not unique to me, it's just how, how, I, how I, uniquely how I work with it, is we've got to get back to the core. And it all starts at the at the pelvis. And actually, if you look very deeply within a lot of spiritual texts, they talk about that, but most current spiritual texts talk about going to the heart, right? And living Mm. from the heart. And I've just found that you have to go a little bit lower into the unmentionables in order to really access strength and, and core confidence and authenticity and energy focus um, for your mind, your physical body and for the spirit. I love that. Oh, it's so, and I think I relate to that so much. I'm a belly dancer and I was, I've been a belly dancer for a long time and I taught dance and that was actually in my way back in my undergrad, I created this whole project for my capstone project. And it was like leading and teaching these women and then doing a performance. And my research was on the physiological and psychological benefits of belly dance on college aged women. And oh, love that. it's, yeah, it speaks so much to me because there's so, and I love the way you articulate it. Um, and this is one of the reasons I'm so fascinated with your work is it, there's so much power, I think, innately, yes. like in our core. And even as we look back, you know, through centuries and through some of these pr- past practices like yoga and and belly dance and just all the energy and the strength that comes from this region. It's so powerful. And I'm curious if we can even start at the beginning, if you could talk just a little bit about what makes up the pelvic floor, because I think there might, 
I don't think everyone knows exactly what that is. And even as women, and we, we have this amazing magical portion of our body, but it's like, I think a lot of times if we're not talking about like sex or menstruation or maybe doing like a workout and some core activation or planks, it's like, we don't identify with what's really there. Um, and so I don't mean to go yeah. into like every single muscle, but maybe just as a kind of a, a general education on like really what is the pelvic floor? Absolutely. That is such a great question. Um, I wish I could, I'm attached to get out my pelvic model, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a true physical therapist. Um, you know, it, so the things that I think are, that I really love to, to talk about. So we, we have the, the pelvic muscles. Okay. And, and like you said, you know, we, we could sit here and talk about all of them, but just to, to generally, let's just generalize them and Call them the pelvic muscles, and it's essentially the bottom of a bowl, you know, and, and the bottom of the pelvic bowl, and it goes from the tailbone in the back to the pubic bone in the front, and then the two sit bones, and it's kind of wrapping upwards to and through the pelvis, and then from there, it encompasses our bladder. Uh, it encompasses then, of course, it houses the uterus and the ovaries if women still have those, um, and we, I'm specifically at the moment talking about female anatomy. Um, then we also, if we're talking about male anatomy, we have the prostate in there too. And then within kind of right above, but also kind of getting into the pelvic bowl, we also have the entire GI. So the, the small intestine and the large intestine and, um, the rectum and it's just, there's just so much going on. And then there's the nervous system, right? So there's a lot of, uh, autonomic innervation in that area. So we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, which is where I just, that I think is so important to know about is that it has such a direct correlation to the brain, right? And, and a lot of, of course, pain research that's being shared now about, you know, a lot of pain can originate specifically here. And that is because of this connection with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nerves that are in, in nerve innervation that, that's occurring. Yeah, that's so occurring. And then we have blood flow and then there's massive amounts of, of blood flow, <laughs> right? And then lymph nodes, you know, so I mean, there's, just, there's absolutely everything in there. Um, and the viscera specifically, so like the bladder and the, and the uterus and the bowels, they're part of those organs that just like the heart and the brain, if we don't, if they're not functioning well, then our nervous system is saying like major alarm, major alarm, something isn't right. Um, I love in, in like Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, I, I think we're, we're trying to do an even better job in Western medicine, but they really look at like how, what's your output, you know, like <laughs> what are your, your bowel movements like and what specifically is your urination like we should be urinating roughly two to three hours every you know every two to three hours during the day if we're drinking and and going through our day as as we should be and hydrating well most people don't know that most you know I, a lot of things that that happen too that that i think is just fascinating is urgency we think about the bladder being irritated and that can create urgency urgency meaning you, I call it push the old lady out of the way syndrome <laughs> because if they you know, like you're like, bam, I got to go. And it doesn't really matter what's in the way. You really, really got to go. That's urgency. And that is a symptom. And it's usually a symptom of something physical, but the fascinating thing is because of this nervous system connection, it's actually very much also stimulated from up, up, up above the stress that we're, that we're hooking into during the day. Have you found with, and I, I believe this is part of one of your speaking topics or relates to it. Have you found that when people do have this urge incontinence or urgency to urinate, that that is directly related to their like level of stress kind of on, on a more general level in their lives? Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out on a limb and I'm, one day I assume I'm going to receive some backlash, but 100% hmm. of every person that I've ever worked with, with that has had major stressors going on in their lives. I've had five and a handful, right. That, that looked me square in the eyes and were like, not related. And the, they felt that way but it wasn't how they were presenting themselves. 
Mm-hmm. So like when you kind of were looking behind the scenes, you're like, okay, I can tell we're not ready to go there. Um, but there is some stuff going on. There were either, so, and there were different categories too that it fell into. So some people were having issues with their relationships, hmm. like very personal relationships, like husband, wife, children. There could have been a death in the family. Maybe they had a, an adult child that it was really struggling and it was, it was hurting them, or they had grandchildren that, that were going through something. Um, financial loss, of course, was, was in there, or just financial struggle. Um, and then I probably one of the reasons why I then, then started niching into the, the female and women leaders is because these women were coming and they were either doing a lot within community. They were either retired and they were doing a lot within their community or they were still working and they just were living this very, very urgent push for success life. Mm -hmm. So there was more of this push instead of like, let me draw life towards me. So yes, a hundred percent I have found if you're not looking at diet, you know, like what somebody's intaking and crazy enough, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think we have a major uh, perfectionism syndrome. I know that, that I have, I worked all last year with, with a, a wonderful nutritionist, <laughs> just bring me free of the, the perfectionism, <laughs> uh, you know, but we, so there's some simple changes that, that can be made. And I think we have to be like, there's just, what I keep coming back to is seeing that we just have to be more and more gentle with ourselves again and again and again. Absolutely. I love that point. And I'm curious too, and you're, you're, I was just like making a note to ask you this, but I'm curious in your work with the nutritionist, what were some of the simple changes that you found most helpful for you personally? I'm, I always love like what people come to with their nutrition. Cause I agree. Like there's no, like we're never going to be perfect with anything. Um, but yeah, just finding where we can sort of reach a, a yeah. nice, like optimal level of energy and feeling pretty good. So I'm curious what some of those changes were for you. They were, so I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying I probably need to go in a two to three year, <laughs> like <laughs> person. <laughs> with my nutritionist and and hear me correctly i my undergrad i studied human nutrition and you know food and education like um i i have been studying nutrition and hormone balancing for the last 20 plus years mm. um but i think that also really messed me up in a lot of ways because i know too much yeah um yeah so and there's a, there's actually more to this story my my child, my, my oldest child who's six has an ultra rare genetic mutation. And, um, because of what I believed with nutrition, I really felt confidently that I could fix him Mm. by my nutritional changes as I was breastfeeding him and by what we were feeding him. And that wasn't true. And that, that actually was a lot of what was wrapped up in the last year of, I had a very interesting relationship with food, whereas food used to be, it used to be very healing to me. And then when that happened, I kind of shoved it all down and I didn't really realize how upset I was that all the stuff that I had learned, I couldn't get myself out of a situation that was hard. Mm. Um, And the way it was showing up for me was drinking mm-hmm. and sugar. Yeah. Um, and it was this big epiphany, like after several sessions, when we, when we finally came to that, that understanding of what I actually was grappling with under the scenes, like the root of it for myself. Um, and it was the pain that I couldn't change the situation with my new life circumstances and my son, my son's actually doing great. It's more about <laughs> my <Yeah. own laughs> processing of it. Um, but so to answer your question directly, <laughs> I was on this, like, I didn't realize that I was on this like psychotic roller coaster of, and I, I'm probably being mean to myself, but, but just roller coaster of like, I wanted vegetables in every meal and there needed to be at least five. Like five, five different vegetables. Oh yeah. Five different, but like just there, there, ha, there was just more and more and more. There had to be more. There had to be more. It was always kind of this underlying, like not good enough. Um, and so <laughs> the most freeing thing was she's like, you can have one vegetable 
at your meal. And if you choose to have more because it's easy, then go for it. But like, let's, let's rein it. Let's like rein in the, you know, it has to look a hundred percent picture perfect as far as like the, the nutritional value on the plate. Um, because it was, it was bringing me a lot of stress to Mm -hmm. make sure that I was checking all of these little boxes that I learned. Um, And then it was creating the cycle of just then behind the scenes, eating sugar, (laughs) drinking to, (laughs) to cope with kind of some of these habits that that I was forcing myself into that I didn't need to. So like for, it's funny because I, we kind of wrapped up right around the quarantine and, um, Oh my gosh. It was like, she gave me the biggest gift to, Mm. because I I don't have as much access right now to what I did before, like to my local farmer. Now we're starting to, but locals farmers markets and the, the farmer collective that that I was involved with. And and so it was just such like a, a gift to be like, here you go. Just stick with the one vegetable for a little while at each meal. You'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, keep, keep it, Keep it within the realm of normal. You're fine. Your body loves you. <laughs> Did, have you noticed since like making that ad- adaptation that some of the other behaviors like with the drinking and the sugar have like tapered off because there isn't One. that much stress? 100%. Yes. Yeah, it's so great. It's wild. And then every time that I notice myself getting back into that behavior, you know, of like trying to overdo or fix things or just get real, you know, controlly or perfectionist like, it'll it'll want to start spiking again. Hmm. Yeah. So it's really interesting to to see that that trend. Yeah. It is. I'm I'm curious too. I think this idea of like having control. It, it it's like I I feel like all of us, especially in this quarantine, and I know for myself, like I definitely like this sense of I have control over certain things, whether that's my diet or my exercise habits or my ability to meditate or whatever. Um, And the quarantine, I think, brought a lot of that to the forefront for many of us where we were having to very much face this idea that we don't have control. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious on a general sense in some of the the women that you work with and some of the the leaders in their fields, I think there's a lot of, because I work with this population as well, to some extent. And I think that sense of control can show up in a lot of, it can sort of trickle down and manifest itself in ways that aren't particularly helpful or healthy. And I'm curious what your experience has been as far as the sense of, of wanting or needing to, to have a sense of control of the environment. And like, how does that relate to the pelvis? And I'm, I'm thinking too of, of that, like clenching a little bit. I feel like yeah. that kind of happens. I think I'm doing a little bit now. I mean, like, off in my abdomen. <laughs> I guess I'm talking about it. I'm <laughs> noticing my like lower abdomen. Tighten. I know. I'm like, yeah, all right, you don't, you don't have to do that just because you're talking about it. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Let's take a, a quick advertising break to just. I know. <laughs> Today we're advertising the need for deep breaths into your <laughs> pelvic region. Go ahead and really, try it. Not <laughs> Brought to you. Uh, yeah, that's great. So I'm curious just what you found and your thoughts and your, what your expertise is on, on this connection and relationship to the core and the need for control and, and some of this maybe overstimulation of the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. You ask amazing questions. Um, oh, thanks. I, I probably for my own sense of <laughs> control, um, I've always been fascinated with this concept of control. Um, and I used to like, like, you know, I feel like so often we hear like, let go, just let go, you know, just yeah. let loose, just relax. Like even in, in PT, we say to our clients, just relax. Well, I don't know how many people almost wanted to like, whoosh, hit me because mm-hmm. nobody teaches us how to do that. Like we have to go on our own personal journey or hopefully be, you know, surrounded or find ourselves with people that, that inspire us to go. Oh, I, I do have choice. I have control and I can learn, use that control to, to learn to relax. So, you know, I, I found that especially for those type A doers, fixers, you know, uh, interested in making a difference, right? Like just want to make the world a better place. 
um, there is a lot of tension around that. There's a lot of uh, feeling that there's not enough time, mm-hmm. that there is a lot to do, right? Again, kind of this, this urgent, urgent living. And what I was finding is that's really when we're living all up in our head and we're not living in our, our pelvis. And I, I literally, truly mean that, like dropping and practicing dropping from noticing up here to getting into the body, but specifically the pelvis. Like right now, can we feel the pelvis soften and expand a little bit? Can we let the abdomen soften? Can we let the shoulders and the jaw soften? Because those are connected. Can mm-hmm. we feel the feet grounded? Um, so what I was, what I found is that it's not, and I'm sure you know this too, it, it, it's not about letting, it's not about letting go of control at all. It's about harnessing our, our control in the in proper areas because go getters and people who are used to living very urgently, like the majority of <laughs> at least people in America, mm-hmm. um, are, you can't, if you take that away, you're actually putting them into a fight or flight system, right? Like they, their deep part of that nervous system immediately goes danger, danger, danger. I might not produce, mm-hmm. I might not succeed. Um, and that that's not okay. So, so instead what we have to do is we have to do very, in my opinion, a, appropriate, slow relearning and recontrol of these are some healthful ways to do it, but in a way that is, is not beating ourselves up because there's actually too much information now way too much and what happens is that a lot of people are all and the other thing that's shifting with the internet which is it's a blessing and a curse right the thing is shifting with the internet is we can kind of learn by ourselves well the more sacred and like the historical better way of doing it was to seek a guide like a trusted guide that, that can, that can help assimilate that information appropriately. And so I have always found that like, I think as physical therapists, we need to do this. I think as people that are going to receive services within the healthcare or holistic wellness space, we we have to advocate for ourselves and know, okay, I'm getting stressed right now, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm learning too much. And, and, and when I, one example comes to mind. It's, it's come to mind a few times, so, so I'll share it. Um, in the world of, of, let's say, urgent continence, right? Um, usually what happens is you go to the, the urologist or pelvic floor physical therapist, and they're just going to send you this list. And they're going to be like, you need to cut these things out of your diet, similar to diabetes, right? We, you know, these are the things, please remove those. Well, again, the brain immediately seeks, like, it it goes, oh no, panic, panic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've done something wrong. I've screwed something up. And so what I found is I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay. This, this is, this is information, but now I want you to tap into your own body and what is your truth. And when you tap into your own body and what is your truth, what I was discovering that there were several things on the list that did not irritate people. Mm-hmm. It didn't apply to them. They needed to identify the ones for them. And so we can, that's how we've got to reconnect into control is we reconnect into the pelvis where there is actual true authenticity of this is what is best for me because no one else knows that except for you. And we have to surround ourselves with advisors and mentors and healthcare professionals and everybody who will put you back in your power. You know what's best for you and I'm going to help draw it out. (laughs) I love that. So well articulated, uh, Dr. Sarah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I I do a lot of work with bringing people back into the body with the somatic experiencing and the nervous system work. Yeah. And that's what I'm so passionate about. And even like as I was really early on and before I started studying that work, I remember being asked, and I've shared this before at a conference by a pelvic health therapist. And she was like, you know, raise your hand and what, what's your goal? And I felt like silly saying it at that time, but like my goal is to get people back in their bodies. And uh, it still really is. And I feel much less silly now because I know the power of it, you know, personally and with the women that I work with. And I love your attention to the pelvis specifically 
Um, and I know for me in my own personal journey that I talk a lot about, you know, where do we have built-in resources within our own physical form and where can we go in moments of, of high stress or anxiety or tension? And where is that place that we can, we can come back to that, you know, feels more like ourselves. And for me, and I think because of my history with dance, that really always has been my, my pelvis. And so I love just bringing the attention there and being able to kind of ground and settle and know like, okay, this is me. And it, you know, even the physical placement of this part of our body, I, I almost can feel like all the energy can can come in mm-hmm. and just be here. And, and even, and we were talking about Qigong a little bit before we started, and you mentioned Chinese medicine. There's this area just below the navel called the lower dantian. And it's this mm-hmm. place where you close out a lot of the Qigong movements and you bring the energy in and kind of place your hands there and close it. And, um, I just love the interconnectedness of, of all of this. And I love what you said too, about it's not like, let it go. And that drives me crazy when I'll see that on people's walls. They're like, just relax. And I think that's the thing where people will clench up the most. I've noticed that oh. with my patients, if I'm holding a leg or something, I'm like, just try to relax. And then I'm like, you know, that's so stupid. Yeah. Don't even, don't listen to that. Maybe focus on your breath or notice if there's a place where you do feel relaxed. Um, <laughs> And I love your discussion too of this like sense of urgency in life. And I think all of us have that, or a lot of us have that of, of this. This is why I was up at 4 a.m. Yeah. So my brain is like switched on again. And I'm like, you know better than this now. <laughs> Feel into your body. But today was one of those days where it was more difficult. Um, and so in the women that you work with and in your own life, I'm curious too how and I think you already touched on this with a lot of what you said, but some other ways or techniques that we can begin from your perspective to come back to the pelvis or come back to our body when we notice that we're on this high urgency, um, almost fear of running out of time, I think is how it shows up. I know that's how it showed up for me um, in the past and sometimes still of this, like I'm, I'm grasping, you know, to yes. do whatever it is that needs to be done. And uh, I think at the root of that, it's fear. And so I'm just curious, like, what are some ways we could potentially come back to our pelvis and and address that a little bit differently? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. And um, I love working individually and in groups where we find a woman's path of least resistance, because mm. it's either the mind, the body, or the spirit. And for some, you like some tips for the the mind, like meaning with those three, one of them is like easiest for you, right? In order to kick out of the fear and then come into more of a back to the pelvis, back to the core, back to the center of who we are. Um, and, and you, you want to explore and, and learn which, which one really resonates with you. Now that I, I truly believe can, can shift right over uh, that can shift throughout the month with our cycles that can shift throughout the, the year um, and, and years beyond. But for example, with the, if the mind, like if it's e, if you're just a mental, you know, in the moment sort of thinker, then it's easy to think about like a mantra or a positive affirmation or a phrase that's just like, stop. I hear you talk to that piece. Hmm. For some people it's journaling um, and sitting down for other, <laughs> a lot of women who are like, you are not going to make me journal if one more person <laughs> tells me I have to journal. And I'm like, I get it. Totally get it. Um, you know, so using the mind in that particular way with a word, a phrase, I always find I get my word of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do this every single year at the beginning of the year. I'm trying to, I started it. I started it this year while I'll do like a big, a, a big push and we get together, you know, virtually and we do a meditation and we create that word of the year because I need it to be like, we need it to be automatic, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have to have something that it's automatic. Um, mine for me too, I'm not wearing them today, but a lot of times like I'll wear earrings or specific jewelry or specific colors that, that will tap, tap into that. Um, for the body, kind of the biggest one is, is movement, I'll say. And so if you're in this frantic pace, you know, I think there's so many different tools and examples. So like kind of take this and, and run with it, right? But like there are times where you need to calm your nervous system. And we need the slow, like the restorative yoga or just a a yoga class. We need to do the deep breathing. We need to just sit, um, anything that's slow. 
there's other times where actually we need to like release energy and we've got to sweat. Like we've got to move. Like one of the things that I'm doing right now is like this, this more tribal like dance movement uh, mm. practice because I find that I just need something like I, I'm doing too much sitting. So while I want to actually do like the rest, relax thing, like actually need to like get it out. So we need to know, are we in a place of kind of like, anger, more frustration. We need to get that, get that out of us through movement, stomping the feet, clapping the hands, anything like that can release it. And then through the spirit, prayer, meditation, pick up, you know, one of your spiritual texts that are important. Um, having a, a picture or something that is, that is meaningful and sparks that for you. Those are all really ways I think that, that we can start to, to kick out of it. And the bottom line of that even before we do that is we have awareness and mm -hmm. we have to build that muscle, right. Of just being aware. Oh, there I go again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I love that you shared and were honest about your morning because I cannot sit here and say that I'm not practicing this stuff every single day. Yeah. I yeah. think if you find somebody like, except for a few like honest gurus out there in the world in different religious, you know, sectors, you know, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Me too. <Those> people. <laughs> I think there's a few, but <laughs> I'm skeptical of the rest. Um, so yeah, so that would be it. And then, um, I can share with, with you all the, the link. I, I just actually created this cool PDF kind of workbook of activating your core. And so that oh, really is, great you notice that you are up in your head, um, you know, uh, same thing as I was telling you, I was getting onto this call and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's having a great day. And then all of a sudden I was just really getting up into my head. So what it is, is, um, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I like to teach the concept, but what I, what I'm obsessed with is just quick, easy action. Like, I, yes. uh, it's got to be accessible. It cannot be this, this, practice because I want somebody to, if they're in the middle of a board meeting or they're, you know, in a conversation that's, that's heated with a loved one, that they immediately can access this. Um, so I'm going to, I preface by saying that, but at first, when you have that awareness, you're going to bring your attention from your head and you're just, you can even exhale and bring the attention down to the pelvis. You let everything relax. Like we talked about, right. Relaxing the abdomen, the hips, the legs, the pelvic floor, like actually feeling the area and the muscles around the rectum and the vagina, just letting go. And then from there, we can do a Kegel, which it does also, we have to know how to do that. The quickest, easiest way I can explain with that is just, nobody should know you're doing it. Nobody should know. One of my favorite clients said, I was in Walmart the other day and nobody knew I was doing it in the checkout <laughs> line. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Nobody should know you're doing it. And so it's this, this internal lift. And then you're going to start drawing the awareness from the pelvis, which is our seat of strength and power through the gut, through our, our, our sacred creativity, through the heart, because we must be connecting with other people. We must be connecting with other people to get back to our core. We cannot do any, we cannot accomplish anything in the world if we're disconnected. So we have to swirl that through the heart. And then we have to swirl it through our throat because so many of us, especially women are not used to speaking our truth. And so that is a whole other realm of practice that I love to explore. It means nothing if we're just living in our core, but we actually can't act it and speak it and embody it with other people. I love that. And I love that you brought up the connection too, because it really is essential. You know, we can be, unless we are this monk or this nun who's up on the mountaintop somewhere and living a solitary life, which most of us aren't. So yeah, I think I love that too. And that visual, when I was kind of feeling this in my own body, as you were describing it, of, of pulling up and doing the Kegel and then bringing that up to your, your heart and, and making that jump and, and, and bringing that not even into the heart, but how you express it is really bringing that out for for connections. Beautiful. So lovely. 
Yeah. It's a lovely we, quick little practice too. It is. And it becomes faster as you, know, as, as you practice. Um, but we need that. I mean, we, we need that right now. At the base of everything I do is it, it, it's conflict resolution. It's love. It's, it's connectivity. Um, and that was another thing that I saw when I was predominantly just doing pelvic floor therapy, was just doing pelvic floor therapy, was that there was disconnection. There yeah. was hopelessness. There was just a sense of, like, I can't fix this. And it was just this clamoring to try to fix something when really what was being asked was to pause regroup, reconnect, and then the next action is known to us. Yeah. And it's really just learning to listen, like you were saying earlier. And, and I love that you brought in too, having a guide or a mentor or someone who can help facilitate you listening to your own body, because that's so incredibly helpful to have like a, a practitioner just be there. I still see, you know, my same somatic experiencing practitioner that I've been seeing for years. I see her later today and I'm so excited. Yay! I'm like, yay, like it's this person that I just trust a, a lot, you know, and who's, who's so helpful. So I don't think that we can, um, we can overemphasize the importance of that. And we're not meant to do it alone. No, we're really not. And there's actually, there's fabulous research that has now, you know, um, Jessica Drummond actually introduced mm. it to me. Um, where, you know, they, they've actually studied that, that women, when they're in a state of stress, when you get them together, there is a natural, beautiful stress relieving hormone mm. cascade that occurs. And it's just by being with somebody else and, and being held in, in, in that space, um, just to be. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that also some of that research does show with, with males too. Um, but females, especially, you know, are, are just such it's, it's just kind of, we like to gather together usually. Definitely. So. And I love how that's starting to be more and more recognized too in the realm of addiction and addiction recovery is this idea of community and, you know, part of the healing of addiction isn't just stopping the substance. That's, you know, merely a beginning, but then when we can begin to come together um, with peers, and I know I have a particular women's group around my recovery, that's just so close to my heart and so lovely. And I think for that very reason, just to come together and share and see your peers and your colleagues and your friends, um, open and vulnerable and very strong. There's so much beauty in that and grace. Mm. It's said so well. It is. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. And I'm curious too, because I know you, you did a lot of research with chronic pain and worked with chronic pain for a long time of when somebody is in chronic pain, and that's the predominant sense in their body. And they kind of have this nervous system input that's overriding any other input. That's like this pain signal that's ongoing and has been ongoing for a while. Some of the ways that you found helpful in introducing some of these techniques to them or the sense of, of being able to go back into and begin trusting the body. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to start by saying, again, you have to have a guide and you have to have a guide that you trust. One of the things that I've taught, uh, everybody that's been willing for me to teach them is you must learn to hire and fire your team. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, one of the, the threads of similarity that I saw with those that were dealing with chronic pain was that, um, they were not taken seriously. Hmm. They were not validated. Uh, their story was not understood or listened to. There was lack of time taken for them, which is very common, right? Um, you know, there's 15 minute appointments and even in, uh, you know, some of the, the therapies, it's, it's you know, you're kind of got to get them in and get them out. Um, so I found that that was the, the main piece was they, again, it was, was connecting them back with their power that no, you are allowed to be validated something has happened and that something needs to be respected. And when you meet somebody there, so much of the work is, is like, it's like taking the, the 10 million layers of dust off of an old table, you know, then you can start shining it up a bit. Um, so I, you know, and, and and that too, and I, you know, I don't know specifically with, with your experience, but even like how you approach somebody and, you, and how you go to touch them, you know, you have to be very, you have to work through the layers of that. You have to gain respect of that person as a person and their body. 
Yeah. Um, and so I take that. And when I was treating people, you know, consistently, I, I was taking that extremely seriously like that, that must, that is a non-negotiable. Um, I remember on day one, when I would work with somebody with chronic pain, I would say, you know, this, I, I think I'll be able to help you. But the moment, if you do not feel comfortable or safe with me, then let me know. And we need to get you to the person that can, because if, if I'm not getting the results, you need the results. You don't need to keep waiting. You've been waiting for years. You've been, you know, most chronic pain, they've been, sh they've been shoved around. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your question, <laughs> but that, that, that's half the work. And then when you do that again, it's, it's connecting them to the body. Uh, I, I would do a lot of simple practices. I I've always been very interested in long-term lasting results. I am interested in long-term shifts, like, like big transformations. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories was running into a, a woman at the grocery store and, and, and she said, you know, oh my gosh, I had one session with you and uh, I was able to leave my husband, get off drugs. My son is in school. My whole life turned around and I'm like, wow, whoa, okay. That was not what I was expecting at all. I don't remember it being that memorable, but, but that is what brings me joy is to know that those things are happening. And so, you know, to that point with, with anybody with chronic pain, everybody deserves that. Everybody deserves that. And once you actually strip away, just let me throw a bunch of exercises at you or, or let me, you know, just throw a pill at it. Like, let me actually sit with you and, and brainstorm with you and, and hear what the body has to say. It's amazing. It doesn't require much. It doesn't yeah. require much at all. I had one woman, she, she had been, she had been in bed for the last three years because, God. um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was insane. She, her husband had died, love of her life had died and she was experiencing some very significant financial hardship. And then on top of that, she went to the doctor because her hip was bothering her, which probably actually was, was very stress related anyway, it was arthritis too. But the doctor said the arthritis was so bad that probably she would, wouldn't be able to walk. And she took that very seriously and she put herself to bed. Ugh. And I worked with, I was in home health at the time and I worked with this woman on four different occasions. And by the fourth time, I was like, oh, there's nothing I can do. You know, I, I too was like, oh, I've lost hope. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it is what it is. So I just was like, I'm just going to talk to her. I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm going to throw away all this, this, you have to do these exercise thing. I'm just going to go in there and talk to her. And we started talking. She finally shared the root of what was going on, that, that the doctor had said this, that her husband had passed right around that time, that she had been suicidal. And from that day forward, the only thing that I needed to do with that woman, and I know this sounds wild, and this doesn't mean that it happens to everybody, it's just an interesting story, is that we did very simple rotational and range of motion movements. There was nothing intense happening. I mean, it wasn't a lot of requirement on her part, but it was a, an opening enough where it gave her the confidence that she could begin moving. Mm -hmm. And so we got her to the point where she was standing and then several weeks later where she could walk to the bathroom. And then several weeks later, she was walking outside probably about three months later after I discharged her, I ran into her doctor and he said, what in the heck did you do with her? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, she is driving a car and she has a boyfriend <laughs> in the next, <laughs> in the next so city. And I'm like, Wow. So there's so much power in listening to the body, your own body and having somebody who can help you listen like you, Alice. Yeah. Like you too. That's so beautiful. It's, I love stories like that. And I, you know, thinking about that too, from the, the nervous system perspective of just those gentle, gentle movements, it really is like an opening. And then it, you know, because I think when we go in and I'm learning this more and more as I deepen my own studies and understanding it's like, if we go in hard, we just meet that wall and there's no room for opening, but it's like when we can, you know, soften it as is appropriate for whoever we're working with um, mm -hmm. and allow them, like you were saying, to feel that and within themselves, it's, it's beautiful work. It's tremendous too. Look at that outcome. Yeah. It's so great. Well, 
people really don't like being told that they're wrong or that yeah. they don't know what to do or that, you know, they, people really don't like, like when they're, when you're up on a pedestal and, and, you know, mm-hmm. they feel like they're down here. They, it just, it, it sets up a, a precedent and we're seeing that in our, in our country right now and, and within the world. I mean, with COVID, with healthcare, you know, and, and with the, the racial inequities that, that are, that are, again coming to the forefront it's like this does not work we've got to again it's like we've got to come up from the pelvis we've got to come up from our own truth we have to connect through the heart we are all one and we have to connect to that and so we can't see differences in chronic pain when there there's a divide there we have to be on the same wavelength yeah that's beautiful. And I love talking to other, you know, practitioners and I think your work is, is really wonderful. It's so needed. It's so, fun. I yeah. It. <laughs> it's awesome. And it's so nice to connect with you too. And as we're, as we're wrapping up here, where can people find you? Do you have anything? Uh, I know you mentioned a PDF. I don't know if you have any, if you teach courses or if you have anything upcoming that you'd like to let people know about, but definitely let us know where we can find more of you. Yeah. I'm hoping to, uh, if I can, can get it together soon. I'm hoping to offer a, a one year um, virtual intensive with, with coaching and with the several retreats and um, a lot of online community support as well as, as well as one-on-one support for advisorship and that mind, body, spirit capacity for, for women. Um, so you can stay tuned with that. And the best way to connect with me, um, you of course can go to the website, it's drsarahsmith.com. It's Sarah without an H. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm on Instagram. I think it's Dr. Sarah Smith official and Facebook. I sadly had to do the official. It was sad, but Sarah Smith is apparently a common name. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and then, uh, on, on Facebook, Dr. Sarah Smith. Uh, you can email me at sarah at drsarahsmith.com. I would love to, to hear from, from your listeners just about anything that resonated with them or any thoughts or comments that they have. And yeah, I definitely can, can send you, send y'all that, that link too for the, the core activation. It's, it was fun to make it. So. Oh yeah, that sounds fun. I'll, I'm going to definitely check that out and I'll put all of those links where everyone can find you in the show notes. Um, so it's make it easy for people. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on, Sarah. I'm so glad we were able to connect and, and make the time. It's been really, really wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs>